whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. Each episode, we invite someone from the theater who you'd see on stage, backstage, or in the house to discuss an original cast album they love. And today we are joined by the audience enrichment manager at Shakespeare Theater Company and a member of Welders 2.0, it's Hannah Hessel Ratner. Hey, Hannah. Hey. How are you? Good. Hannah and I have literally just met. Yes. This is so exciting. <laughs> In the hallway, so this is going to be fun. We've exchanged maybe two emails. That's so true. This is, you know. Just to keep, yeah. Well, we, so yeah, we've had correspondence. You didn't yes. just wander in off the street. I didn't just find you. And you chose, tell the people what you chose. I chose Flora the Red Menace, the original cast recording featuring Liza Minnelli. All I need is one good friend, just Broadway debut. Right. I and found it's out. Candor and Ebb's first and show. And Candor and Ebb's also. first show. Right. And one of the last shows that the great George Abbott ever did, I assume. I mean, it's kind of that late late in his yeah, career. Career wise. I don't yeah. know. He's, um, I mean, if you don't know who George Abbott is, I don't know what to tell you. Read his <laughs> book. If you, what's the book called? Mr. Abbott? Yeah. Mr. Abbott I've is a, it. oh, it's a, I mean, it's, it's very thin for an autobiography about a man who's done so much, but it is dense. You always wonder with that. You know, if, is it someone pushing them to say, you have to write your autobiography, you have to write your autobiography? Because then you get the autobiographies that are massive, and you're right. like, okay, this person had a lot they wanted to say. Right. But you get the small ones, and you're like, someone someone told you you should write it now down, that, and you haven't, like... You know, now that you say that, yes, I think that would probably... That's kind of how that felt. It's like somebody, like, I'm just going to write down the... Because ba- it's very sparse. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like he doesn't want to write it, but it doesn't feel... Complete by any stretch of the imagination. It's a really interesting window, though, into his way of thinking. And I think so. I recommend Mr. Abbott, which is how he is always referred. I watched in preparation for this sections of the Great Performances doc about Candor and Ebb Mm. that features clips from from Floor of the Red Menace. And they they refer to him as Mr. Abbott. He is only Mr. Abbott. <laughs> He's just Mr. Abbott. Well, and then conversely, Liza is no longer really referred to as Liza Minnelli. No, she's, she's just, just Liza. Liza with a Z, as she as she is known. Yeah. So I knew of this show when you recommended it. I knew the album art, I have to say, more than anything, with that sort of 60s cartoon mm-hmm. um, that looks nothing like Liza Minnelli. Huge uh, nose. <laughs> short and squat. And yeah. not, it looks more like... I don't remember what the character's name was, but I imagine the... Um, the leading man. The leading man and um, the, uh, oh, the leading the, communist yeah, 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 woman. The, that yeah. That's more... Uh-huh. that that's Charlotte. Sort of Charlotte, there we yeah. go. Um, more what she looks like, but in any event. Um, so I was excited to listen to it. So what brought you to Flora the Red Menace? So I grew up in a very musical-friendly household. Uh, my sister is has always been a a musical theater performer and enamored and in love with musicals. And my parents were, you know, from the get-go, giving us culture in many different ways. And Floor of the Red Menace is, I think, 
My dad brought it home after finding it in a used bookstore because my dad also collects used books. Oh, okay. This is that's his big thing. Sure. And he sells them online, and I can you know give oh, you wow. the address All right. for that. Sure. If you <laughs> so I think he brought it home because the copy we have is an old um, LP, and it's the cover was fraying from mm-hmm. the get go, and I remember him saying that it was if not his first Broadway show that he ever saw, then one of the shows that he remembered oh, wow. really clearly. So he actually saw it. Right, which oh, is when I wow. realized it only played for three months. Yeah, That's 87 like, performances. It yeah. Was, yeah. It's a miracle there's a cast album for it. And there's right. only a cast album, my research tells me, because it got such great reviews out of town that they went, oh, this is going to run yeah. for and, a year. And maybe he saw it out of town, but I think he saw it on Broadway. Yeah, he was probably in Boston at the time, so maybe it was Boston. But maybe, but I think he saw it on Broadway. So I had this image in my head of my dad watching it right. when I listened to it. So there's that connection, and then I just loved it when I was growing up. I it's got such great belty songs, mm-hmm. you know, that you just want to sing along. <laughs> so I did. Well, there's a lot of women in it too. I mean, a yeah. lot of women in singing songs. Of empowerment, not just sort of love ballads. It's a lot of strong female characters. And that's the thing that really draws me to it now, that Mm -hmm. there's the love story is not your traditional love story. There's no real ingenue type role. Um, It's not, it doesn't feel like the other musicals that I was being Mm -hmm. shown at the time. Um, so that's part of my connection to it, and I always had it in my mind as a musical I really loved. When I got to, I guess, high school, we got the CD of the revival version. The off-Broadway revival. The off-Broadway, okay. yeah. I think Victory Gardens, mm-hmm. starring Vianne Cox, who I've now worked with at the Shakespeare Theater. Oh, wow. And whenever I see her, she hasn't done a show for a while, but she has since I've been there. Whenever I see her, I just want to be like, Flora, Flora. Because that's how I first, <laughs> that was my first knowledge of who this person mm-hmm. is. Vianne Cox, she's Flora the Red Menace. I mean, nobody knows that. Right? <laughs> but that's my like, oh, you're Flora the Red Menace. I see that. Um, but that version is so drastically different. Uh, they really reworked everything. I think there's they a added video songs. of that version. Too. There's a video of some version of it that I found clips of on YouTube. It's probably that one. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's a really pared down kind of show within a show version from what my yeah. Was so able to that's read about it. that's part of it that they created. I think as an overarching structure that this is a um, WPA WPA mm-hmm. project. Um, but then inside of it, they've also added ingenue characters and a love story. And made Flora, she's still the lead, but she's also the, like, almost motherly. She brings Mm. in all of these artists and empowers them all. And then they, in turn, empower her, which is just a very different story. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not what I got from this. Yeah. So I read, so I listened to this recording three times today. And I looked up the synopsis online and I have one question. W- what is this show about? <laughs> because I got, so I got who the characters mm-hmm. were. It was very clear who all the characters are. Um, but could you summarize the plot of <laughs> The Red Menace for me? Uh, let me try. Sure. Um, Flora is a young graduate who is ready to take on the world, but she has come of age 
right on the cusp of the Great Depression. And so she's thrust into trying to hold on to this kind of image of a bright and possible future okay. against a country that's just not there, um, which means she gets uh, roped into the Communist Party, but mainly because she falls in love and then realizes that her ideals for what the future is do not match the communist ideals. And she has to choose between love and communism. Con- well, no, not love and communism. Okay. Lo- oh, that's one choice love, together. Love, love communism and communism. Is one choice. I see. And, and gainful employment. Yeah. I see. Employment and in some way self-respect. Oh, you know, okay. that she's doing it for her and not. So. Yeah, I got that yeah. feeling listening. In the, I mean, the closing number, You Are You, is a really interesting and unusual closing number for a show of this era to me, where it's just very much like, I mean, the lyrics are literally, you know, I am, you, know, this, you are you, you're not so-and-so. Yeah. You're you, so be you. And it's a really Right, the Communist number. Party just wasn't a fit for her. Right. It's just not a fit. So this is the... So don't, don't, <laughs> just because the guy's cute... Doesn't mean you need to become a communist. <laughs> that is that was my favorite song. Listening to this was Sign Here. Sign Here yeah, it's a great is song. just a riot. Are you in favor of security? Who isn't in favor of security? Well, if you're in favor of security, yeah. Here's sign. Sign here. Well, would you make cannon fodder of our youth? No. You couldn't make cannon fodder of our youth. Who'd want to make cannon fodder of our youth? Here's sign. Sign here. Protect our youth. Well, Harry, that's normal. Security. Yes, I agree, but... Free milk for kids, a lasting peace, the rights of man, Uh democracy, then it's clear, it's clear, you're a communist, sign here. Funny to me that this is Kander and Ebb's first musical together, and then their next musical is Cabaret, which is also very unlikely subject matter, you know, it's got Nazis and 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 both are 1930s, I mean, so they must have had some sort of fascination. But this doesn't sound like a Kander and Ebb score at all to me. This actually reminds me a lot more of early Bach and Harnick. This, I'll tell you the show, and I don't know if you know this show, but I just put together for this podcast a an episode about Pulitzer Prize winning musicals, which one of which is probably the le- not maybe not the least well known, but one of which is uh, Fiorello, the Bach and Harnick mm-hmm. musical, also written by George Abbott actually, and maybe that's the connection that just flipped that in my makes head. Sense, yeah. um, they have a very similar. Very similar stories in a lot of ways, but also a very similar kind of what I would call a traditional post-South uh, Pacific Broadway score, where it was kind of, it was that late 50s, early 60s, poppy, but, pop, you know, poppy for then, obviously, score, a very upbeat, brassy kind yeah, of Yeah, very brassy. Pace. I mean, this score is so brassy. Everything's in a major key. Even the sad yeah. songs are in a major key. Like, it's just very kind of... Broadway, like one of the ways you would define Broadway. Um, nothing like the next score they turn out with Cabaret, which is just such a remarkable score. Um, yeah, so that's so I guess the George Abbott is the connection. He did, the man did have a certainly yeah. have a style. I mean, I always forget that it's Kander and Ebb. You know, yeah, it, I, it wouldn't could. pop into my mind as Kander and Ebb. No, not I at all. It's, it sounds, I mean, the thing. right, it sounds nothing like anything I've heard of theirs since I am not, I am by no means an authority. 
and it on feels Canada, that but in some ways that it sits on this kind of cusp between an older form of musical right before it it transforms into something else because mm-hmm. I mean dramaturgically it's probably a mess and I've never looked at the script of this I do have a copy of the script of the oh, revival really? oh, the yeah revival. just okay. the revival um, which I was like inches away from directing in college because mm. I thought this is going to be perfect for college students um, which I, I would have loved it in college but I think it would have been fun I mean it starts with people graduating and going out into the world but anyway it was, yeah it, the, Has there ever been a hit show on that subject matter? Yeah. Avenue Q? Well, but that's not how the show starts. I mean, the character, the, the character has graduated, yeah. but like, I guess that's the way this is. Yeah, yeah. this is I just was thinking, one when you said that, I was thinking Merrily We're All Long. Like, that was the oh, first gosh, show that popped I love in that my head. show. So do I. But that's like, I, to me, because I'm always, no matter how many times they rewrite that show, the Broadway cast recording is what I think yeah. of. And so it starts with that. It's, like, it's technically a high school graduation scene. Um, I mean, it's yeah. It's so it's such an easy thing to do, right? Here we are, exactly. so full of hope. It's such a, <laughs> it's a, it's not because everybody goes through it. It's not a contrivance. I mean, I've written a show that starts that way, but it is. Yeah, it's a hard kind of because you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Reality's going right. to set in, which is kind of the cool thing that's cool about this structurally is that yes, reality sets in, but at the end but she's it's, still kind of full of hope. Like, well, but then the reality is though. <laughs> Is her getting drafted into the Communist Party? I can't. I cannot <laughs> enough hey, emphasize that was because it's the fifth song. I mean, it's not like this comes. It's not like she's with this guy and they're together no. and all this stuff's going on. And then she finds out he's a communist. No, that, that's the thing that's so fascinating, right? Because he like brings her into the party before anything's really like they flirted, but right. it doesn't seem like anything's happening because when we get to, I think even it's in the second act. When we get to um, Valentine. Oh, yes. The, dear um, Love. Oops, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Dear Love, yeah. Um, that's when it feels like she's saying, hey, I really like you. I want you to be my Valentine. Be mine. Let's make this if real. I can, I mean, Let's the, make this official. All that great stuff about how you feel on, on the 1st of May. That's how I could feel <laughs> on Vanuary. Which just shows how not a communist well, she just, is. She's just not a communist. <laughs> but at how much of a communist he I mean, it's not a... Well, and and her, her language is all, you know, you can be mine. I can be, you know, like... He's not... Let me be, you know, and I'm like, if you're really a communist, it's free love. And so you just Well, that's true. That's right. Because everybody, everybody yeah. belongs to everybody else. But it is the... Um, I mean, yeah, I, I can't. I want to really stress this: that he is not a communist. Also, in the like '60s slapstick way, he's not a fool. No, he is Harry. Is his character's name is? He is a full tilt communist, and this, the argument he puts forth about in sign here is very. I mean, he's very pushy about it, and he's very aggressive with her, um, sort of setting up the fact that this is not something she's totally into. Yeah, but his arguments aren't. Crazy. His arguments are are the arguments you would have heard from somebody in the late thirty or the in the thirties talking about comedy. In, yeah. I mean, musicalized certainly, but in the no, like, but like the things he says, you know, well, it, it gets crazy certainly. Right. Yeah, like yes. by the time it's just you like, would make cannon fodder of the youth. Right. I mean, that's it's a little like, far. Yes. Obviously. Do you believe in everlasting peace? Since yes. when is communism going to actually bring but in, everlasting? But in the early thirties, that's what I mean. If you've you know, and this is uh, this is information I'm getting from the movies I've seen about that era. But stuff like Reds and things. I mean, that's what those people believed. They believed that communism after after the Russians after the revolution that 
this was going to save the world. And but in some in some ways, it also feels like it's rhetoric. I mean, it's the same oh, it's political language rhetoric. we hear today. Yes. Do you believe in these good things? Well, then you have to. Right. Then obviously, because we believe in these he good does. things. And he does. But he does start from the very like. Do you believe in the rights of man? Do you believe it? Let me tell you. Do, do you believe in democracy? Do you believe You're in a democracy. <laughs> it's true. He does say that. Uh, <laughs> He's a communist. It's so I, I can't. So he, and he's so Harry as a romantic male lead yes. in a musical. He is not your typical. Not, no, he no. is awkward. Mm-hmm. He. Oh yeah, they have know, that great song where he has pebbles in his mouth yeah, the whole he, time. I mean, it's just he's shy. He's awkward. <laughs> he can't control himself and like how he speaks. Does she have a second love interest in the show, or no. is it? Ju- it's, so it's, it's just, just work. Him. The other, it's, yeah, wor- it's work. It's work and him. I think. Well, yeah, and that actually. And is she one is of a fashion things. designer, correct? I think she's an illustrator. Okay. Um, that she you know does it for advertisements and things. Sure. They yeah, yeah. Had I got you. Fashion illustrators. Um, the song that's that people know from this mm-hmm. musical is it's a quiet thing. Um, I don't oh, know okay. if you knew that beforehand, I didn't know. but that's the only song I've heard out of context. It's on the Kander and Ebb, um, whatever the as show the is, turns. as the world turns. Mm. When it all comes true, just the way you've planned, it's funny, but the I've heard other artists do do it in solo, and it always sounds like it's a love song. Which but is, yeah, it's a love song to getting a job. Right. <laughs> She's a capitalist. None of these songs. She's totally a capitalist. None of these songs should be Flora. Go where you think they're gonna go. Ever. <laughs> they just they they all kind of twist. I thought you were gonna say the one that everybody knows was Sing Happy. I think I've oh. seen Liza Minnelli do that in a video. I think I've seen her sing, like, later in the 70s yeah. sing that song. And that's another one out of context doesn't really make sense because it's a really sad song. Yeah. Which, as you said, it's, like, in a major key and it's so... Yeah. It sounds so upbeat, but I my impulse is that when it's really performed, it's, you know, performed close to tears, that this is, like, pushing through well, and, like, finding You that. can see video... Uh, the, the great performances of Candorneb that I watched is on YouTube. You can watch it. And there's an excerpt. If you if you YouTube Floor of the Red Menace, it's one of the... It's like Candorneb discussed Floor of the Red Menace. And you can click on that, and it's just the four minutes that they spend on it. And they have a recording of Liza singing it. I don't know, it's Sullivan or something. You know what I mean? Like, one of those shows. And she is absolutely losing her mind in that song. And you feel like it's the closing number. It's the like, oh, yeah, we're just going to be happy. But if you know the show and you know there is one more song after it, which makes a lot of sense, you you understand her performance is actually manic. She's actually kind of losing control. I'm only in the market for long, loud laughter. I'll let you serenade me till dawn comes along. Just make it a happy, keep it up. show ran for 87 performances it was nominated for exactly one tony which was best actress for liza minnelli but she won in her debut performance she was liza from day one and this she's pretty amazing it really is she's 
kind of I know she had been a performer and stuff before that, but she kind of emerges fully formed in a lot of ways in this yeah. show. She and wouldn't achieve like superstar in for another couple of years, yeah. but she was a star. Well, and it because do- it doesn't fit into her persona really at all, except you get this incredibly strong voice mm-hmm. and all this passion behind it. Yeah, it's a personality. I mean, her yeah. personality really comes through the record and the review. The the few reviews I read of the, sort of all said that they're like she's clearly a star. <laughs> this is not a great show, but she's a really great star. Um, if was anyone not, out there has a copy of the libretto for the original, the original libretto, yeah. please send it my way. I'm so curious. That's our second one. So we need, for those playing along at home, we need the original <laughs> libretto for Floor of the Red Menace and the original libretto for Anyone Can Whistle. If anyone can find those two, <laughs> two, ni- two mid-60s musicals that were not big hits that have been rewritten a bunch. We really want to get our hands on those here. <laughs> this show was not written for her, No, though. She was kind of cast, it seems almost against George Abbott's will in a lot of ways. She, it was allegedly possibly written for Barbara Streisand. Which would have been such a different thing. Really a different show. Which is also, because also they wanted her and Anyone Can Whistle, too. Mm. And she ended up doing Funny Girl. And, you know, obviously everyone made the right choice, I think, <laughs> in those particular shows. Um, and, yeah, George Abbott wanted a lot of other people and wound up sort of at, at the insistence of everybody else casting And Liza she was Minnelli. 19, I think. I mean, yeah, she was really she was very young. young. Yeah, and it, it didn't. I, I think it's just not the way he saw the part. There was never anything about he didn't like her as a performer. He yeah. just didn't like her for this particular bit. But I gotta say, without her, I don't think. No, it's. I don't it's think it's all, a show. It's all her. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't know if that. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, in, the, in because, terms of this production, like I, don't, I, yeah. I think that this production kind of doesn't. Maybe the recording doesn't get made. Like I mean, that's what I mean. Like yeah. that that oh, force gotcha. of personality yeah, yeah, yeah. gets the show. It may have closed out of town without yeah. Liza Minnelli. Like yeah. that. That's really what I mean by yeah. that. Yeah, I mean it's clear that it needs a lot of structuring. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are these two really horrible songs. And ooh, it. which two? Which two? <laughs> I mean the the two kind of silly comedy songs that knock, just knock 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 knock. He's there. Iva. Iva who? But when you're near me, it's clear I'm knocked on my ear My pulses begin to quiver I just have to stop and give a knock-knock Who's there? And Palomino Pal. I don't really know what's going on. Which one's Palomino Pal? That old pal of mine My Palomino Has told me a final Goodbye, my one loyal friend, my Palomino, has gone out to pasture in the sky. That my sister and I used to sing whenever we wanted to annoy each other. Okay. Both sung by the cowboy. Right. (laughs) Exactly. I totally, I was listening to this. Just a couple, like an hour mm-hmm. ago, and I was listening for like the third time, as I said, and kind of getting it in my bones a little bit. And when Knock Knock came up the third time, I went, oh, right. So yeah, on the record that we have, the Palomino song, there's a skip in the record. And it goes, pal, pal, pal. 
So I usually just skipped that <laughs> just song when, anyway. Just when you thought the song couldn't get any worse. <laughs> so that was, and I think it. that's the first song on the second side of the record. So whenever I flipped it, uh, I would always okay. just move it over usually. Oh, man. So I don't have it in my head as much. But they, they're just – I think they take place in the communist meeting halls and the communists are entertaining each other. But I don't really know what either of those songs are doing. Well, the – what is it? The Flame, is that the Comrade Ada's introduction? Yeah. The I Didn't Really Do Anything? And then yeah. she lists like the litany of things she did that week for the Communist Party. Okay. Because, yeah, that was, the, that was the sort of second plot that I – I guess it's the subplot for the whole mm-hmm. show that I wasn't really following. And I didn't know what she was Wait, doing. Wait, so she the, the same one who sings <clears> yeah, – She sings Knock Knock with the cowboy. All right. So then there is – But she doesn't sing Palomino. Then Pal. there's also Comrade Charlotte who's different. Right? Or is she Comrade the same person? Comrade Charlotte. Yes. No, she sings... Who sings Express Yourself. Uh, yes, that's Comrade Charlotte and Harry. Yeah. Yeah. So that plot I understand, the is she, is she, Charlotte. She's who Harry ends up with her at the end, I assume? Well, or they that's ended up, up at, at least... Yeah, I think what it is, and I don't remember if I'm thinking this because of the revival copy, mm-hmm. but Flora walks in on them while she's trying oh. to seduce him. And so. then it becomes a conversation about free love and like, but you know, we don't own each other and Flora's right gets you to that. Well, it gets Florida to the point where she has to make a decision. Yeah. It pushed so we can end this. Thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we can get this. So whether door. or not they end up, right? I don't, she I don't is think the other. Yeah, she's love the other interest. woman. Okay. Well, I feel like musical comedies in the '60s are a lot like. Shakespeare plays where like the king can't ever die like they have to have a king in Shakespeare like like at the end of Hamlet if you do it Fortinbras takes over because we can't leave a king I can't make the peasants think that there's no king you can't have like a male and female at the end of a show not get paired off in, but they're in a not 60s paired film. off I don't think they are well she's not that's the funny thing but I don't think he you don't is think either. he is with the comp- they, with because Charlie. in okay. Express Yourself he's not you know he's not no, really he's calling not, for he's it. not down no certainly not She's so, into him, and he's so. I think whatever. this. I think nobody ends up together. I don't think this is a traditional comedy. Right. Well, no, certainly isn't. It, it certainly is not. Yeah. Yeah. But it is it, yeah? There are there there are. That's true. I should say there are pairs for everybody in this. Whereas but, the revival, I think, is very pairy. That's really disappointing Flora. to hear that because I I read a little bit about it because um, there is the character of. Um, Franklin Roosevelt is the voice of Franklin Roosevelt anyways in the show played by Academy Award winner Art Carney though he's not on the recording I don't think um, and they really played that up as I said for the off-Broadway revival to make it kind of explicitly WPA produced show yeah. so when I read that I thought well that's neat they got a little conceptual with it but if they rewrote it so much to make it a lot more traditional that's yeah, that's very disappointing it's very it's very different to how I imagine this would be again Please, yeah. listeners. Yes, no, send in the libretto and help we'll, us out. we'll read it and then we'll get back to you. So you say when you listen to this, you, you yeah. imagine sort of your dad watching it, yeah. um, which is – that's an interesting – how did that go? I mean, that's a, it's an odd question, but it's it sort of like you didn't – so you so, imagine the show and then your dad watching the show or you imagine just – I mean, I, not every time I listen well, to it. Well, certainly not. No, right, yeah. No, but I, I think – you know, when your parent says this was something that I experienced, mm-hmm. you kind of are like, oh, wow, they experienced this. This is a real thing that happened. Had you seen any Broadway shows at that point? I saw my first Broadway show was 42nd Street, which was probably 86, mm-hmm. 87, something like that. So I was five or six, no, six or seven when I saw it. I was pretty young. Oh, wow. Um, so, yes, it is 
likely it was a year or so after that when okay. came my way. Okay. So you were into, oh, yeah. into theater. So why didn't, if you don't mind me asking, why didn't you yeah. pick 42nd Street for this, for this podcast? There were so many things I could have picked. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, know, no, I know there's no, a but thousand. No, but, that's, that's, but this was when I sent you, when yeah. I emailed you to ask you to be on the show, this was one this of the was first, the first one, thing that yeah, came to this my came mind. out. And then you thought, oh, well, I'll hang on, I'll think about it. Yeah. And then you went, no, that's never mind. And 42nd Street was never one that came to mind. Okay. I, so, I mean, 42nd Street, what I remember of seeing it, and I saw the revival also, so I do, mm-hmm. I have seen 42nd Street a couple of times now, but my memory of when I originally saw it was that it felt like they were dancing in my lap and I walked outside and the streets glimmered. You know the mm-hmm. way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it, that's what happens on right. New York pavement, and when you're six, it's like all you see because there are people everywhere. That's funny you said. My son is six, and one of his big songs at the moment is uh, "Lullaby of Broadway." My mm. son, as it turns out, six years old, huge Jerry Orbach fan. Loves. <laughs> I'm serious. He loves he "Lullaby of Broadway." Order? No, but his, his <laughs> other promises. Promises. No, he. I. I haven't had him watch. I have the the Tony performance of "She Likes Basketball," and I haven't had him watch that yet. His his other two big songs right now though are "Be Our Guest," and um, "All I Care About" from Chicago, and he just, which I also say he's memorized the now. I suppose you think I'm you think I'm talking about physical love speech, and we're waiting for the call from the teacher when he gives that in class. But <laughs> um, yeah, so my son apparently just loves Cherry Orbach. But it, so I'm very it's familiar. Not a bad role model. Not at all. Oh no, He's I'm a good I one. am very much in. We Who listened to the Fantastics the other day. I'm a big fan of Cherry Orbach myself. But this show, I mean, this this show of all shows, why why this show for you? What, what was it about the show that I think sticks the sh- with you? The show just keeps coming back to me, and I, the, I mean, it, I loved it when I was young. I returned to it in college, and really was thinking about it then. And it just the songs keep coming back to me, both when I need. Maybe it is that empowerment thing that you were talking about because they come back to me when I'm sad or when I'm happy. Like, mm. they're just moments where these songs give me a little push. And I have them in my head quite frequently without going back. I hadn't listened to it in years. I probably hadn't listened to the full thing through since college. Oh, um, wow. But It's just in your head. I mean, if it's that, in my that head. many oh, times yeah. you listen oh, yeah. to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, sing Happy. It's a Quiet Thing. Uh, Dear Love, You Are You. I mean, those are songs that at various points within the past year have come through. Mm. Wow. They're in there. That's great. That's such, I mean, it it is, it it sounds like one of the things that, that this is your show. Yeah. In a lot of ways, because this is not a show, I mean, I consider myself pretty well read and I hadn't, I knew it, but I hadn't heard it. Um. And is is it a show you've turned anyone else onto, or do you keep it kind of for well, yourself my sister. a little bit? Well, uh, but yeah, your, my sister your, your and I share it. Sister onto yeah. it. Yeah. Is it? Um, but is it something like for like when hmm. you would, if you had a friend or somebody who liked musicals, would you say, "Have you heard Flora the Red Menace?" Because I would always, like for example, one of my shows that I would carry with me to share with other people was always Assassins. I would be like, "Have you I heard Assassins?" You like it because it's a show that even if you like music theater, you wouldn't necessarily yeah. have heard. So is this a show where you would say, like, even in college, would you be like, you have well, to yeah, to I definitely, this. okay, I definitely did in college. Not so much. You have to listen to this, but I want to do this. <laughs> so I thrust on people that way. Okay. Um, you know, I'm in a point in my life. I've gone through, I think, most of my twenties and maybe the start of my thirties, where I like pretended I wasn't as into musicals as I am. Wow. And I've only just allowed myself to like re-embrace the fact that I'm a musical. What theater. happened? What happened? 
serious theater? What serious happened? theater. Oh, isn't you know, I was surrounded by people who I thought didn't like musicals. Only it turns out everyone likes musicals. Yeah, they just is, pretend they don't. This keeps coming up in this room. <laughs> there's this very, there's this huge mis because I think there are certainly people who don't like musicals for whatever reason, and they're wrong. But that's fine. Yeah. You can be wrong in this country. I mean, my husband told me he didn't like musicals, and I've since told him he's wrong, and he now agrees. Well, that's yeah. I think there there are two kinds of people: people keeps, who like musicals and people who think they don't like musicals. Right, so my husband thinks he doesn't like musicals, or he thought he didn't like musicals, but he kept quoting musicals to me. <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> He's like, oh, well, you know, that's just West Side Story or that's just, right, that's you not know, really a musical. that's not, yeah. I did that in, in high school. And right, I'm like, right. yeah. and did you like it? Right. And he's like, well, yeah, but that's That's not. a big, that's a musical musical too. West Side Story? The number of He was <laughs> Officer Krupke. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Didn't have to sing though. No. He, which is really a shame. He's got a beautiful voice. Oh. The adults don't really get to sing in that show, do they? Because yeah. Doc doesn't sing in the police chief doesn't sing, right? Or the inspector, whatever he is. Yeah, okay. Or dance. Oh, no. Just the, yeah. No. But that's, yeah, I, I think... That's a capital M musical, though, <laughs> West Side Story. That is like... Well, and now now he loves musicals, but he had never seen anything on Broadway. So I think that that's a huge mm-hmm. thing, too. If you've never seen, experienced what it's like, the excitement in the room mm-hmm. on Broadway, you think it's Well, and also performed silly. at its highest... Yeah. Ability. I mean, like, you know, if you've only seen high school productions of Music yeah. Man, you might think, and this is what musicals are like, and even though I love the Music Man, like, that's, that's, a, you could watch that show get butchered over and over again and be like, I don't like this yeah. performance at all. But then you see, like, a real production, well, of someone who, a professional who, production, I should say. Right. And you go, oh, people who do this exactly. for a living. And you go, oh, I see. Yes, okay, I get it. And now. they're, they're is... exploring it and they're asking questions about it and they're doing right. all the things doing that it. I yeah. like in X, Y, and Z theater or film or whatever. So what brought you back around to musicals again after after years in the wilderness? Um, just getting annoyed with people saying they didn't like them. So the, in my pre-wilderness years, in mm-hmm. my... You know, you you said you have all these things in your head. I have so many things in my head. Oh, yes. I have every every musical I listened to before 1993, mm-hmm. maybe 95, I have memorized. Constantly playing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Hit, um, it. Hit it right there. Yeah. Yeah. And my friends all made fun of me in high school. And then I went to college and I went to Sarah Lawrence. Okay. And there are some musical nerds in there and they were awesome, but I found myself not hanging with them as much and hanging with my non-musical theater friends. Okay. But you were still doing, I mean, were you doing shows in college? I was doing, I was mainly a costume designer in college. Okay. um, And a little bit of a director. What did you major in? Sarah Lawrence doesn't have majors. Oh, my. Oh, I'm sorry. I knew they were progressive, but my, my. (laughs) Okay. Liberal arts. Very liberal arts. (laughs) But I did theater. So it, was sort of, it was a drift. It was more mm-hmm. more than like a, a clean decision. Right. You sort and of drifted away from and it. And I got bit. more interested in avant-garde theater and puppetry and, um, yeah, and new plays and performance mm-hmm. art and things that lived in this other world mm-hmm. that were, you know, kind of the opposite end of like your traditional musical. Mm-hmm. And the worlds didn't always blend. And then I came to D.C., and I was working at Theater J, and Theater J didn't really do musicals. And I went to grad school, and I was in a graduate program where nobody did musicals. Mm. Um, I was at Columbia, which is also a very kind of experimental new play yeah. program. So I think so what, I just – how did I come back? Yeah, I came what back brought you to, back around? Well, I came back to D.C. 
And I think maybe I was depressed or just not feeling ungrounded. Mm-hmm. And I found myself wanting to listen to musicals again because, like, they were my happy place, you know? I mm-hmm. could sing me a happy. Like, right, it's, yeah. They are what brings that back. Mm-hmm. So I just started playing them again and and reconnecting with, with it. Um, and then we started producing them at Shakespeare Theater with more regularity. Mm-hmm. And every time I we announced one or we were getting close. I was like, oh, we're going to do that old thing. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we get around to it and we're working on it, I was like, oh, I love this one. Yes, <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So you've been there for like when Forum Five and, and uh, Man of yeah, La Mancha? Forum, yeah, Forum, La Mancha, Kiss Me Kate. Okay. And next year we're doing Secret Garden and I'm really oh, excited about it. I love the Secret Garden. Yeah. Oh man, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, garden. and it's and it's one of those things that, you know, seven or eight years ago, I would have been like, oh my god, the Secret Garden. They do that at every <laughs> regional theater. They do it, you know, every dinner theater. Mm-hmm. Do we need to hear another version of Lily's Eyes? But yes, but yes, yes, we, we do. do. Yes, we do. But so yeah, so that's it how is. I got back into musicals. Is like all of a sudden I surrounded myself with them with them again, and and I think part of it had to do with reclaiming the record collection from my parents' house and bringing uh, that into my home. Mm-hmm. So now I have, so you have all my records. Okay. Um, because that ex- was my primary source of listening to music. Okay, so it's an extensive collection of music. Yeah, okay. and I only actually have half of it at my house now, and my dad has been pushing me to take the other half. I just don't really have room for the other half, and the other half is filled well, with, records like... Well, records are quite big, yeah. and they are heavy. And the other half is... I mean, for a while, I was just... I would go with my dad to use bookstores, and when I saw a musical, I would buy it. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. have a lot of ones That's kind of the way I am now. To. Yeah, no, I bought... Uh, my most recent one is Raisin. Do you listen to Raisin? No, I haven't listened I yet. Don't have the it. musical version of uh, of Raisin in the Sun. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. Yeah, I need to go. <laughs> it was I, a dollar, so yeah, you know. I, exactly, and I have some. Maybe you want to buy some of them, <laughs> or, or I could give you some. Uh, uh, yeah, um, again, yes. I will gladly take them. I think my wife would have something to say about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I need but, to go through the ones at my dad's house to see if they're ones that I want to keep. But the the ones that I took to my house are the ones that really make me mm-hmm. happy. Oh, so you made you didn't just take half. You kind of went no, through them I all went and through took. and okay. took the like, oh, I, oh, this one. Oh, yeah. this one. And I almost bought the brought the floor one with me today, but I I didn't oh. want to go through the, the hassle of carrying the, the a record around. Yes, no, absolutely. Oh, and the, it's totally falling apart. The yeah. two ends of the record. Well, if you case bought it are, used, you know, yeah. 20, 30 years ago, it's going to be Yeah. it's going to be pretty Well, and I can't imagine that it was an album that went through many pressings so even when he yeah. bought it used god knows how old it was um yeah yeah so it's because it's not a record you'd it was not like again not a hit show so it wouldn't have had a lot of different pressings yeah. of the record um that's kind of a great that's a great find i gotta say and one i've added now to my, <laughs> to my list to hunt for <laughs> i almost feel like i gave the score kind of a bad shrift at the beginning when i said it's nothing like anything candor neb wrote that doesn't mean it isn't great it yeah. just isn't anything like when you hear candor neb and you think you know what you think of this is this doesn't well, sound like and that. their shows are super cohesive and this mm-hmm. is not yeah it's just it hasn't i mean you think of something like like chicago or like kiss of the of the spider kiss of the woman, woman, yeah. and, and you have these kind of almost operatic movements in terms of how the story builds with music mm-hmm. um i mean even in a kind of episodic world of chicago you have that and 
The shows are very vignette I mean, Cabaret's vignette Yeah. Uh, Chicago's vignette Even Kiss of the Spider Woman, which has a very because cohesive has narrative, its, its has all those dream the, elements and yeah. moments and things to pull out, and those character songs, you know, that it, they, they do write cabarets, basically, that are strung together with a very yeah. strong narrative. Well, and this has got some of that, except the narrative isn't strong enough. Right. Well, and the music, the or songs. Or maybe the narrative is strong, but the pieces aren't strong. Yeah, I, to that's what I was going to say. I think that that is a very strong narrative, reinforced by the music, but they don't quite yeah. they don't quite link up. And they try the 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 '90s version tried to do that, but I mm-hmm. I don't know if it really succeeds. Though it's worth a listen, and Vianne Cox is awesome. Okay, and she's really great. I'll give that a listen. She's not Liza, but no she one is Vianne, <laughs> and bless her for that. All right. You're not Liza, but no one's <laughs> Liza. That's that's the message of Flora yes. the Red Menace. You have to. She is she. So yeah, I, I think it's. I'm really glad you picked this show because it is not one that I I naturally would have gravitated towards. Um, I am something of a completist when it comes to collections of songwriters and things like that. But Candor and Ebb were not. You know, I like I love Chicago. I love Cabaret, and and I and Kiss the Spider Woman. I, I I certainly have it and, and enjoy it, but it's not one that I pop in. So they're not too. They're not so, you know songwriters who I gravitate to naturally. But now having heard this, I'm sort of like, yeah, I want to go. I'm going to go. Like for example, was it the is it the visit? Is that what they just had with Cheetah yeah, Rivera? I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. And I saw the Tony's performance and was kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna get it and listen to it there and see. Go. Yeah, and and you know I'll get it as the world turns and all those. I really excuse me as the, as the world goes round. As the world goes round. Oh, gosh, as <laughs> not, the world turns. Not the soap opera. <laughs> Um, Very different. I had As the World Goes Round on CD or tape or whatever mm-hmm. it was. That was on one tape. that I think people who I think were roughly the same age. And that was yeah. one that I remember it was like Songs for a New World, like music theater kids just grabbed it because it was sort of like these are all like you need all these songs. You need to yeah. know all of these songs. It was a kind of a greatest it, hits. It has some really good orchestrations and oh, okay. um, a couple of. I don't know what the musical theater term is for mashup, but where they've taken two songs from different shows. And yeah, they, somehow, yeah, they just call it a medley, but yeah, yeah cause it's... but they've like intertwined them mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. Um, and I used to build stories in my head for like how, but I did that with. Does all it those. have does as, yeah. does as the world goes around have a narrative to it, or is it more like so it's like side by side by Sondheim or yeah. yeah, so it's not like putting it together where they kind of have a no. loose narrative on it. It's it's just songs. <laughs> Okay, yes. that, nothing wrong I with that. So. I mean, they're, but they're these kind of pairings or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll do a medley of four or five that kind of, that have, have an a thematic, arc. yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really great. Where can people find you uh, on the internet? Great. Uh, Thewelders.org. Mm-hmm. Um, my Twitter is H-A-N-V-N-A-H. It's Hannah with the B in the middle. B well, as in victory. While you say that, I'm going to follow you on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet as much as I used to. I used to tweet all the time, and Hannah, I don't anymore. Hannah, what is it again? I'm sorry. It's Hannah with a V in the middle, so H-I-N-V-N-A-H. Oh. There you are. And, and there... I also have a Tumblr, which you is have more followers theatercollage.tumblr.com, oh. okay. which I don't update as much as I used to also, but maybe... I used to... It, Were you big my... on Tumblr? Did you really... I love Tumblr. I never got into I Tumblr. I really love it. And it used to be my morning routine. I would have breakfast mm-hmm. while scrolling through, and I would just put stuff in the queue, and then all day long it would publish stuff for me. Wow. That's, so I would I never be got, I had a lot of like friends. seven or eight things a day. I am unable on the internet to focus on more than one social platform at a time. I try, and with this podcast, I've had to like yeah. keep a bunch in mind. Um, and by that, I have like a Google Doc to keep 
track of all this sort of thing. But like for me, it's just like it's Twitter, and that's that's pretty much as much as my brain can process. And I just, I've just, I'm on everything. Stopped with Twitter. I just, it's a lot. To, it's too much for my brain right now. Yeah, I've come to a well. I, I came I to a place maybe once a day now. I came to a place where I was just like. I don't have to follow these people that I don't want to follow. And I follow a lot more people in D.C., I got to say, which made me be like, oh, this is neat. Yeah. Like, you're near me. You're over here. So, yeah. But I, I liked yeah. I liked the Tumblr. And if I ever found time again, I would mm-hmm. do it. But I no longer have breakfast. Like, oh. no, I eat breakfast, but now right, I but eat never, it at my not, desk say, after taking my daughter to daycare. It's like, not it's a leisurely not breakfast. Yeah, no, yeah, I, no, the, I know. I understand the, the distinction. Time. Yeah. Um, oh, and I'm also on Instagram. It's Hanvina R, but it's a private account. Oh, because it's got lots of pictures of my kid on it. Okay. Though if listeners are super eager to see pictures of my kid, I well, say but... yes to just about anyone okay. who actually asks me as long as they don't seem like they're really right. creepy. But if they're someone who's like obviously in theater or obviously knows people <laughs> I know, then I will probably say yes. There you go. Good. That's nice. So it's like a... Not a closed door. It's kind of a yeah. just yeah. Or not oh, a and I door. have a podcast. You have a podcast. It's it's not just me. It's the Shakespeare Theater podcast. Oh, okay. Rose cast. Um, but uh, Drew Lichtenberg, who's the literary manager at Shakespeare, and myself do one per show. And if you subscribe to the feed on iTunes and all of that, there are also lots of other podcasts that the theater is putting out. Lots of storytelling and various other things throughout the year. But Drew and I do one for a show where we interview a cast member or someone involved in the production, and those are always really fun. Oh, great. Well, thanks for coming on down. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm going to wrap it up. The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who work the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the Original Cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to Hannah Hessel-Ratner for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 